Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey everyone, Robin here. I have a little bit something different for you this week. Now, I promise it is not a surprise therapy visit. No, since we're on a break for some much-needed holiday rest, I want to tell you all about a show that is hosted by my very good pals, Angie and Rachel. These are two incredible women who are killing it in their respective careers in the creative world. They have a podcast called More Right Than Wrong, where they talk about the contradictions that women often have to navigate in the workplace, like balancing being assertive and empathetic, or maintaining your artistic expression while supporting a client's vision. Now, some of you may know, in addition to hosting the show, I'm also an actor, a writer, and a comedian, even though my kids absolutely refuse to laugh at any of my jokes, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, it took me a long time to learn how to balance speaking about myself and promoting my work without feeling eh, absolutely disgusting, to be truthful. So in this episode that you're about to hear from More Right Than Wrong, I chat with Angie and Rachel about how I learned to balance being humble and self-promotional while building a personal brand, and honestly, how to stop taking it all so seriously. So I hope you enjoy this conversation, and if you do, for the love of God, follow More Right Than Wrong wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're at it, you know, have you rated and reviewed while adjusting? Hmm. Think about that. It's important. Do it, folks. Okay, here we go. Take a listen to More Right Than Wrong. Never underestimate how many people are frozen in fear in their own life and who will applaud you stepping forward and putting yourself out there. You know, so many people are afraid to take those steps or are afraid to strip themselves down and share their own experience that when you do, it's a gift. Hi, you're listening to More Right Than Wrong. I'm Angie. And I'm Rachel. Every week we discuss the tensions that we face as women in the modern workplace. And today we're talking about this really tricky thing to balance, humility versus self-promotion, which I know I find personally extremely challenging. I mean, who doesn't, right? I mean, in this modern age with social media, it feels like you not only have the responsibility to do great work, but you then also have the responsibility to talk about your great work to everyone you know. So our guest today is Robin Hopkins, a longtime friend of mine who's worked at Spotify and VH1, but she's also an actor, a writer, a podcaster. Frankly, there isn't a thing that I found that she can't do really well. Our conversation was so good. 
it really doesn't need much setup. So I think we should get right into it. So why don't we start by having you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. I was born a small white baby in upstate New York. <laughs> um, no, okay. My name's Robin. Um, I produce and co-host a podcast called If These Ovaries Could Talk. I'm an actor, woo, a writer. Uh, I am a mom of two. I'm a gay lady with a lady friend named Mary. And I got two kids. And I mean, I feel like that's a lot, right? That's great. That's great. That's great. So the theme for today is about balancing humility with self-promotion, right? So the theme throughout the show is always how do we navigate these modern tensions about the things that make it hard to be successful today? So you immediately came to mind because you and I have been friends for (laughs) 100 (laughs) years Because no, you lack humility, but- <laughs> and we're just wondering how that works. That and how do, how do you have friends when you don't have any humility? Well, what I love about you, though, is the fact that you have had to straddle a lot of this stuff throughout your career. So as being a creative performer, you are in this position of having to balance right your craft while also being promotional for the work that you do. And we've talked a lot about the fact that that can be a really complicated thing yeah. because we, we don't want to come across as cheap self-promotional, but at the same time, we live in an era where you building your career is about you advocating for yourself and promoting yourself. Oh, yeah. So how does that feel to you? How do you feel about that balance today? Ugh, that's how I feel about it. I feel sometimes like after a round of promotion, I want to go take a shower. Like That's how I feel. What in the beginning, I started off as a stand-up comic and then I transitioned into acting and I would call myself like the worst promoter ever. Like, because I just would be like, I'm doing a show. You don't have to come or anything. But if, you know, if you wanted to, don't worry, forget it. You didn't want to. It's, it's what are we doing for lunch? Like, that's how I promoted myself. Um, and then, you know, the digital age kind of came out. I mean, like Jennifer Aniston is doing commercials on Instagram now. Like, there's no world where it's going away. So I feel, to answer your question, like, I don't love it. I don't know how great I am at it, but I try to find, I try to do it in a way that I can sleep at night. So I try to have fun with it. I try to always take like poking at myself because that's also like my lane of comedy is is making fun of myself. You know, so it's like I just do it because I have to. Well, can you unpack that a little bit? Like you talk about the awkwardness of of doing it and that it's uncomfortable. How did you get comfortable with it? What did that look like? Just, in the just by doing it. I mean, there was a, the reality. Yourself, you're like, ah, yeah, the it. reality of the situation. I mean, I think when I really got into it, at least like if we were talking about like current state of like social media and that kind of promotion was I started a digital short series called Stupid Michelle and Dumb Robin. And it was like very close to my heart. They were like fun shorts. And I just realized there's no way that anyone's going to see the content if I don't promote it. And and there's this kind of like double-edged sword. Like what's so wonderful today is that we can all be our own creators. Like when I started out, I used to produce my own plays. So I would literally a 20 something take my credit card go to a theater rent it for a week and then I would make all of my family and friends come to it and I would run like five shows I would pick the play I would pick the actors I wanted to do it with gave myself the best part of course because I was paying for it GFY and then every time I would make $40 um, but I built my resume I got people in the seats I got mm-hmm. an experience I got reviewed I got you know I got to like build my acting chops 
So I started there, but it's like, that was a heavy lift. I had to put out like four or $5,000, which at the time was a lot of money. And it's like, if you wanted to make a short film at that time, people would be like, oh, I need like a $15,000 budget. So today, any idiot with a phone or any idiot with a microphone can have content. And that content can blow up. If you look at the guy who made Lore, I mean, he was just a frustrated essayist who picked up a microphone and then all of a sudden had a one of the top performing podcasts and then an HBO deal. Yeah. So my point is that the technology allowed us all to create content to be able to like do our stuff much easier. But then that meant that there's so much more content out there and surfaceability is an issue. Sure. So you have to be willing to do what it takes to get your, to surface your content to people. And I wanted my content to be heard. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I think that's the thing that's the part of this. I love that your show is all about like dualities and like it's the double-edged sword is what I'm calling it is, is that you have to like think most performers or content creators. It's like on one hand, you're very insecure and you're like, no, this is suck. And then on the other hand, you're like, ah, this is a genius creation and everyone (laughs) must listen to it. And so I had to have enough of that inside me that I was like, I believe that I'm putting something good out into the world that's either going to make people laugh or they're going to be excited about. And that is the mindset that I had to take to embrace self-promotion, if that makes sense. Well, it does. Um, One of the things that comes up a lot in our themes is like, are we even talking about the right words on the polarities? Like, is really humility the opposite of self-promotion, right? And what I heard you say is that one of the ways, I mean, indirectly, is perhaps one of the ways to get around the mental hurdle of self-promotion is to actually just believe enough in your content. Like just yeah. be so stoked about it that it's not even a spectrum of humility and boasting or arrogance. It's actually a completely different spectrum altogether. Can you talk a little bit more about like the conversation in your head about like the humility piece of it? Like what role did humility play as you were doing all of that? Well, it's, that's a really interesting question like you know is humility the right word because it it is almost an insecurity of like who am i to stake this claim and to say i believe you should see this thing i did or you should read this thing i wrote mm. i believe but i think as a performer like as you go along like if it's something that you love to do and if you're meant to do and you want to keep doing you get feedback from people along the way that tell you that the work that you did moved them in some way And there is a thing that you love as a creator about that. Or I I should, as one of my therapists once said, just talk in eyes, Robin. Just talk, just talk in eyes. Um, It's, there's something that I love about it. I love the idea that I could take an experience from my heart or from my life and I could put it down in a way and I can come up with like the lesson or the thing that I learned and I could put it out there. And so it's like, you know, that has to trump my insecurities of who am I to put this out in the world. Or what are people going to think? Like every time I make a stupid, dumb TikTok video, before I start at Real Rob Hops, <laughs> um, before I start, did you see I how I just did that, that promotion? Flag. That was I mean, so good. I was like, do it in a funny way. Um, when I write it, I'm like, oh, this is good. This will be funny. And then when I start setting up the lights, I'm like, oh, you're such an asshole. This is, what are you doing? Like, Angie is going to make fun of you for this. Like, what are you going to put on a baseball hat and you're going to paint your face half red and white? Like, What are you doing? And then I make it because I'm like, it'll be fun to make it. The making is always the funnest part. And then as I'm cutting it, I'm like, oh, no, this is funny. 
I'm like, <laughs> I can get behind this. And then, so it's that roller coaster ride of your insecurities and of your feelings. And then eventually I have to get to a point where I'm like, no, I like this. I'm going to, I'm putting this out. Oh my God. I yeah. love that because do we like mistake our own, like call our insecurities humility <laughs> to, to give it permission almost like it's like an excuse. Because it is an insecurity for me anyway. I mean, because I think that there's the idea that you're not speaking about your work or yourself is humble is kind of crappy, right? Mm. It's kind of like, didn't like, let's say I'm not comparing myself, just FYI, I'm not comparing myself to Whitney Houston, okay? Let's just be really clear. I don't have that (laughs) level of talent. I'm marginal at best. But like, she had a God-given talent, right? And that's why I'm using her as an example. And if she was, if you were going to use the word humble, if she was that and didn't share her gift, imagine all of the people who would not be moved, be changed by her work if she had not put it out there and not believed in herself and not you know, stood out there with next to Clive Davis being all, I got to do this. I mean, in all fairness, in that era, it was less self-promotion. It was like the label promoted you. It, the self-promotion era is more social media era, Are you right? deluding, are you deluding I, yourself to believe that really? Whitney didn't have talking points oh, every time true. she walked that's out true. on a camera? She, <laughs> she is a media trained mother. That's true. And she walked that's out true. there and she promoted herself. Like, and she showed mm, up on talk shows enough. and right. all the crap that she didn't want to do. Right. So, but I do think that there is a distinction between... Whitney Houston, world class in my work promoter <laughs> at Real and, Rob Hops. and those of us who are more average performers out in the world. I mean, right. So like a small disparity. Small small Not difference. Like but just to say, like, so let, let's take it down to more like what those of us mortals live with. Okay. Not okay. what you where you exist, Robin, <laughs> and, and where Whitney, 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 Whitney existed. But rather to say, so if you are working in a company or you are wanting to build up your own brand, yep. quote unquote brand, just on your reputation. And so to some degree, you're, we're not talking about life-changing work. We're talking about promoting something we're really excited about. Yep. And I do feel like there's sometimes a distinction between putting something on social media where the intention is that the creative work needs to get yep. amplified versus it being, hey, Robin, let me tell you about this great project I worked yes. on at work. Yes. In a previous life, you worked in corporate America, you worked at MTV, you worked at Spotify. Can you talk a little bit about what the distinction was then in that setting for self-promotion? I will say it is exactly the same mindset. Is it? Yes. Interesting. To me. Okay. I think, one, there's got to be an awareness that it's work that needs to be done, right? So my wife and I, Mary, talk about this all the time. Mary is the worst corporate political person I have ever met. She does not do anything political. She just goes, believes that doing the work and doing great work, which she does. I mean, she's always in demand. So she's and like she at thinks, Whitney's level. She and Whitney she, are like I mean, right there. maybe. I mean, she might be. And let's not, we don't want her to get a big head. I still need her to make dinner. Um, but so what the problem is, is when she gets into a situation where the the work is like, where it's political, she doesn't do anything. And I think that there's, the like, I equate trying to surface your work in, in creative to the politics of a corporate environment. You, you have to, you know, this happened at Spotify a lot. You had to, what, what would they say, like proselytize your own work. You had to be out there because because of in the tech world, there'd be company bets, there'd be mountain goals, there'd be, you know, department goals, company goals. And if your project was lower on the company goals, 
you could go to a, a let's like say the marketing team and you could say, hey, I'm going to need these assets for this creative project we're putting out. And they could be like, no, I just I actually can't prioritize that right now. It's really not that high on the bets board and blah, blah, blah. And you'd be like, so you would have to go out and get people to believe in what your project was. I mean, the downside was as soon as everybody started believing in it, then people tried to steal your project. But that's a cultural issue at that company. But my point is that you have to be adept at promoting yourself in a way that doesn't feel gross. Like everybody knows that coworker that is constantly talking about all the things they did and you want to punch them in the face. (laughs) So you don't want to be that person, but you have to find your own voice, much like finding a a social media voice, much like being a stand-up comic. You have to find your persona for on stage. So you have to find your voice. You have to pick your moments of when you want to let people know about what you did and how you did it. And you got to do that stuff sometimes that feels gross. Like I find it just as gross to have to talk about my wins um, in a company as I do having to share my latest TikTok video. But I had to do it. But I think women are groomed from early on to take up the least amount of space And if you take up too much space, you're a bitch, you're bossy, you're like, I am an opinionated lady and I am not for everybody. I feel that there are definitely times I was in meetings and I was like, my voice was not welcome. Like, and I could just, you could just feel the energy of it. And I swear it had to do with the the frequency of my voice. (laughs) I was like, this is not a substance issue. Mm -mm. This is like a source issue. Yeah. What I really love about what you just said was it actually... You love something about what I just I said? Did. I did. I really love what you just Thanks. said. Which was that <laughs> what you're saying is in order for you to actually get resources mm-hmm. and to actually position yourself for success with that project, you needed to be able to promote yourself mm-hmm. and promote the work that you're doing. But additionally, by the way, you need to do that for a promotion too. Absolutely. I think. Right? I think that's right. I think the thing that I often wrestle with is the role that ego plays in promotion versus. So the idea being that I'm doing it just for my benefit versus the benefit of my work. And maybe that's just a framing that makes me more comfortable. What if you just take ego out of it? Like, why do we have this placement that you're a bad person for saying, I mean, fucking men walk into the room and they just go, I am amazing. Yeah. Like, I I mean, men walk in and ask for so much more money. They don't apologize. They don't give two craps. Like, so like, why do, as women, are we like, I should feel it's my ego. It's like, it's nothing wrong with your ego in saying, I'm fuck. you're a baller at your job. Well, no, what's what's so interesting is for years, when I was at at, uh, HarperCollins and I was the head of marketing at Harper and I would counsel authors on how to build their platform and how mm-hmm. to find their voice. And it was podcasts and writing. I could tell them and make recommendations on how they could do it. And now that I'm in the position where I'm like, I need to be talking about my perspective. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is really uncomfortable for me, mm-hmm. right? Even telling people, hey, go listen to this podcast feels really uncomfortable to yep. me because in some way implicit in all that is me saying, you should care what I have to say. Yeah. And that's really hard for me. And but all I, day I, long, people listen to what you have to say. Because you're paid for it. You are hired to be a person that tells people, both of you have tremendous careers. You were hired to tell people what to do. So why would that not translate to it's okay to promote your podcast? Angie, you mentioned ego, but I think the thing that I struggle with is like, as an idealist, I like to think of things like as a meritocracy, especially the corporate environment analogy was really great and helpful for me, Robin, because I was thinking... Yeah, like in an ideal world, I hate the notion of the fact that you have to like make yourself seen and known. Yeah. I wish that 
we lived in this idealistic meritocracy, which is probably an immigrant mentality. Like that is, was literally the concept that motivated my parents, right? Like totally keep your head down, do good work. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it pays off. Right. And that there was no aspect of self-promotion in that you just do the work and then it gets recognized or you get rewarded for the work. And so I think the inherent in that, which maybe this is what Angie and I have in common, is like you're supposed to put your ego aside. It's kind yes. of more like right. you focus on the thing and the task and the job, and it's actually not about you. So you're not promoting yourself. And so maybe, I mean, maybe that is there's something there. It's like you're actually promoting the the substance and the content. It may be like reframing that. Yeah, well, because I don't think your ego is involved when you promote. Right. I it's don't not think about you. No. It's about this. It's about the offering. It's also about the corporate culture in mm. which you work. It is a requirement. Mm. I was. Um, I worked for the president of VH1 for many, many years, and we worked together. I, I went with him from MTV to VH1 to Spotify. He's just like a, a fantastic leader, and I learned so much under him. And all the young people would come and sit on my couch, and I would talk to them. They'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm not getting a raise. It's been so long. And I'd be like, all right, sit down. And then I would walk them through this thing. I'd be like, you're going to create this document. And the document is going to start with, this is what I was hired to do. You're going to bullet point that. Then you're going to say, this is all the things that I have taken on. And then you're going to say, this is all my values. By the time you get done creating that document, you're going to be like, God damn it, I'm valuable and I am smart and I am good. <laughs> and and gosh start it. People like me. People like me. <laughs> and then you're going to have a leave behind when you have that conversation, when you ask for a raise or talking points. And so it served two purposes. But my whole point is, is that there is no ego in that process. Yeah, It is totally. literally just writing down what you're hired to do, what your accomplishments have been, how you've grown, what you've taken on, and what and what your value is. And I think we often confuse the idea especially women, well, I should just be happy to be here. And it's like, no, we have value. We have, like, we show up and do this work. And women are often, I hate to make this very gendered, but I do think in the workplace it is a very male versus female situation sometimes. Um, not to leave out non-binary folks, but I am, I'm just speaking of, yeah. you know, uh, historically, yeah. um, that women clean up the messes. I really like this idea, this permission you're giving us to say, you know what? Self-promotion is not about ego. I, and that's it's not about that, the self. It's a Maybe necessity. It's just a misnomer to begin with. It's not self-promotion. It's like well, it's about serviceability. It's about it, getting right. you or the product or the content up. Right. What you've done is what you've done, and the work that you've done is high quality. So therefore, why do you have any shame or embarrassment about talking about it? Right. But also read the room. Don't yeah. be that person that constantly walks around going, oh, you know, that reminds me of the project that I did in the early 70s. I created the wheel. Like, I know. mean, it, but it is so hard because I do think that there is a gendered element in the workplace about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so some of it is about quelling that noise in your head. Um, do you have like a North Star on how you navigate when you've hit that point of going too far or that, you know, when you say read the room? The thing that I always go back to is that it's so much about your your own insecurities driving the perception yeah. of reading the room. How do you how do you balance that? I mean, I think I use this for almost everything, but if I'm scared, it means it's just my insecurities and then I need to do it anyway. Like, you know, I think you're not up to anything if you're not scared. If it just feels like I'm doing something salacious. So like for our podcast, um 
I share every time the podcast comes out, I share it in about 40 different groups. And uh, I don't love doing that. But that gets us directly into these groups of people who the content is directly made for them, you know. But there's a line like if I know that it's a group that maybe I shouldn't post into and I'm trying to crowbar a line so that I can post in there, I know I'm being gross. Like if there's anything voyeuristic about it, if there's anything where I'm just like pushing, I don't do it. But if it's just because I'm scared, I do it anyway. Mm. Like because scared usually means insecurities. And like if it leaves a bad taste in your mouth or you know like like if someone's going to call me out on that and I'm going to have to defend it, I think it's interesting because like I think what's hard about even the topics we explore with more right than wrong is the idea that there is no definitive right answer. Mm -hmm. I think this is the closest we've come to having something that says, okay, if you parse your own emotions, your own reaction can be the gut that guides you in that. I mean, I I believe that your gut is everything. You know, it's like if you think somebody is like your coworker is trying to get over on you and steal your job, you're right. They probably are. And then you need to play the game a little bit. And I think that's why like when I promote things, I want to do it in a way that's funny and I want to do it in a way that is um, somebody's going to get some value out of it. You know, like I was I was like charged at, at Viacom with sending out company wide emails. And I always was like, how can I make this funny? Like, how can I do this in a way can, like people are only going to read my first two sentences unless I get them in with a joke or, you know, mm. so it's like just, you know, it, 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 <laughs> reading the room is critical. Yeah, it, but it's hard though sometimes because you wonder about like self-deprecation as actually mm. working against you, right? A lot of times people use self-deprecation yes. or humor as a means of giving them permission permission or insulation from the idea of like, I'm not being self-promotional, yes. I'm being whatever. Yeah. So I took this I took this acting class and I think I've told Angie about this and oh my God, they made us, this was like a two-year movement program and they made you dance around in black tights and I'm not even kidding, with a white belt in the center so they could see the line of your body, which, you know, if, if you're a gal with a couple extra pounds, that white belt was not friendly. But you always started the <laughs> class off with all this like, movement and dance and and they would play all this music and and they'd be like I do not want to see dance moves that are in the club it all had to come from emotion and from your heart but as you were dancing around you had to chant I have no apologies I have no apologies and then it would get louder and louder but the freedom that comes from being in a black leotard as a chubby girl with a white belt screaming out I have no apologies that is my mantra forever Like, I have no apologies because I know my heart is good. So if I'm doing something self-deprecating, I'm not apologizing. Mm. I might make fun of my family, my kids. I will make fun of us in a way because I hate that, like, this is my life is so glossy and perfect bullshit. Like, I want to just be like, here's my kid making fun of me. Can you believe this crap ass kid? You know, and then I'm like... P.S. Maybe go follow me on TikTok. You know, like, so it's like I've got my call to action. (laughs) I mean, I personally think you have an advantage. As someone who has humor, I think it is easier to get away with self But then know yourself, right? So if you're a very earnest person and you're not a humorous person, then let your true authentic self come out in that post without apologizing. And, and mm-hmm. that's the same thing in the workspace. Nothing bad will come from it. It will be all good. If, if you're coming from your authentic self, like that is everything. That's something that actually like I was, I realized fairly recently in my career is that I assume everyone is just waiting to make fun. But the reality is, is the people who care and love you who are in your networks want nothing but to celebrate you. Yes. And they want to be there to, to celebrate your wins. And so when you say, here's something I'm really proud of, 
even if it does come across as earnest, people will be like, kudos to you. Like, that's yes. awesome. And so I've, I was actually surprised about that because for me, that was more of me projecting like, well, I'm so snarky. So everyone must be. No, there's actually a lot of people who really want to applaud you and support you. And never underestimate how many people are frozen in fear in their own life mm. and who will applaud you stepping forward and putting yourself out there. You mm-hmm. know, so many people are afraid to take those steps or are afraid to That's strip really themselves cool. down and share their own experience that when you do, people are thrilled and it opens up. And again, it's a gift. You know, you opened up a lane for them to talk about themselves. And most people want to talk about themselves. Let's be honest. So tell us, um, I'm curious to hear, can you give sort of what you feel like is your like gold poster child version of um, surfaceability, self-promotion that you love and then in contrast, cringeworthy moment? like For um, myself or for someone else? For your own stuff. So I'm curious to hear like, the polar examples of like something that you think you did really well and like really nailed. And that would be like the gold standard for how to pull it off. And then on the other end, a cringeworthy okay, okay. sort of, you look back and you're like, oh, my, my cringeworthy one and talk about not being authentic. My cringeworthy one, because you always got to start off with the negative, is um, somebody from my hometown like trolled me hard, like came at me on Facebook so a bunch of years ago. And I posted a picture of it and oh my God, all these wonderful people came out and like support and like went after him. He got off Facebook and then his girlfriend was like, I'm so sorry. It was like a whole thing. But I turned it around in a medium piece really quickly um, for an inauthentic reason. I turned it around to see if I could build my following because at the time I was like, I had a, a memoir that I had been shopping. I had been down the road with this manager who liked the work, but he was just like, you have no following. He was like, you have this memoir. He was like, but you have no you have no online presence. So I was trying to write these essays and I was trying to build my online presence because I was like, I have to sell this book. I'm like, he likes it, but I have to sell it. And I posted that piece just to try to build my medium following. And the piece was inauthentic. And I wish I hadn't because I don't love it. It's not like the best thing. And it's just like... Like the the experience had already happened. People had rallied around me. All the good things that were going to come out of it had. And maybe if I had taken more time and wasn't trying to capitalize on something and I had written a really earnest piece, it might have gone somewhere. So that's my cringe. Um, as far as like good, I don't know. I I just, I would just say the rest. Like I'm happy. I'm wow, happy when I put amazing. something out that moved somebody in some way. I have to say, I I do when I look back on the moments when I've been brave enough to be somewhat vulnerable is when it's been the most rewarding in terms of the feedback you get from the world. And you, it surprises you in many ways because it's like, oh, I thought I understood humans. And I love the fact that you've always been very much about bringing that vulnerability up front in order to connect more deeply with people. So yeah, I mean, it's like if you could bring emotional stuff and then smack them in the back of the head with something funny, that's it. That's everything to me. Like That that combination. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Cool. So we always try to close on some of these larger, bigger questions, right? And there, I find these to be really hard. But one of the questions that we always ask is, you know, what advice do you have for others who are wrestling with this tension between, you know, self-promotion and wanting to be out there more, but also wrestling with their own insecurities about being humble? I mean, let's be selfish about it. What advice do you have for us? (laughs) All right. When you are scared, you are up to something. I've always believed that. And I just I just read um, 
uh, Louise Penny is like one of my favorite authors. She's this Canadian murder mystery, uh, like almost like Agatha Christie. I love the crap out of her. But she had a new book that just came out. And she said something about you don't need less fear. You need more. Um, what's the word? What's the word when you uh, overcome fear like uh bravery yes basically it was a different word but yes you don't need less fear you need more bravery and and that to me is everything so just if you're scared yes then do it use fear as a a a marker a flag that you are onto something huge and move forward in spite of your fear Angie has seen me crying on a park bench in Brooklyn. And in the middle of the conversation, I turned to her and I said, oh, my God, I'm scared. That's what's going on right now. I'm absolutely scared. And then she said, why don't you project manage this? And I said, God damn it. Yes. And then I started to track her. (laughs) And I was like, in spite of being afraid, I am going to go forward. And I fear through Excel spreadsheets, obviously. Obviously. That is such an Angie response. Let's action plan our way out of this fear. Yes. (laughs) But the point is, go in spite of it. <laughs> I know that for me, action takes me out of fear. So when I'm scared, give your, like have all your feelings. You can't roll over them because then it's just going to eat you alive from inside. But like have your feelings, take a breath, and then one step, one step. That's great. Robin was so amazing. I'm so glad you invited her. It was packed with information. I feel like I need to add her to my life coach soul guide posse. And, you know, it's very obvious that she does podcasts for a living. Yeah, I do love her. I easily talk to her like 10 times a week. This was your first time talking to her. Yeah. What were your takeaways from your chat? Okay, the biggest call out, which I was like, oh, dang, is that... We call it humility, but it's actually insecurity. (laughs) So I felt like, oh, if I say I'm too humble to self-promote, I'm actually using it as an excuse. And I love how she inspired and said, you know, if you're scared, it's actually a good thing. Um, And it's an opportunity to, to just step up and try something in a way that is very authentic to yourself. And by doing that, you can actually inspire and encourage others to also be courageous. Yeah. I think that was one thing where I felt like the nuance was a little bit like we needed to work through that is that I don't necessarily think that if you don't want to do it, it's because you're insecure. But I do think there's a nuance and a difference between insecurity and humility. Totally. But I do think one quote that I want to cross this in a pillow right away is it's not about eliminating fear, but it's about being braver. So mm-hmm. versus it being punishing yourself for being nervous about it, just leaning into it. So I really, really liked that point that she had made. Um, and I also, it was such an obvious point, but basically it's like just to get out of your head, talking about your work is not self-promotion. It's just talking about work and mm-hmm. people do it all the time. So like, let's just own that and lean into that and be comfortable with it. Yeah, like you can remove the ego, you can remove yourself out of the conversation. And also you can project manage or action your way out of fear. <laughs> I, I I do believe that. that so personally. Funny. I mean, the older I get, the more I'm convinced actually that is the ultimate journey that we're really supposed to help each other on is like overcoming fear in general. And the truth is that people actually a lot of people out there really want to celebrate and support you. Yeah, I need to get out of my snarky head and just be like, yep, there are actually good people out there who want to support each other. For sure. Thanks, Robin. It was so great having you. I'm so glad you could be a part of it. I would highly, highly recommend uh, that you reach out to her, get in touch with her. Um, You can find her on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok as at Real Rob Hops. 
She's hilarious. She's kind. She's just all around wonderful. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And if you want to get in touch with us and chat more about the episode, hit us up on our social channels. And of course, subscribe to More Right Than Wrong if you haven't already. And please leave us a cute review. Thanks. Thanks.